Welcome to South London Hardcore. I'm Jack McEnroe. This is Steve Walsh. Hello. Uh, this is our 150th episode. We recorded episode 151 already, so perversely. You know, <laughs> maybe this is 151. There's nothing to celebrate. We've got a load of local news today, just catching you up on what's going on in South London. I'm guessing there's a handful of people that are not from South London. Paul's here. He's going to help us out with one story. <laughs> Shall I dive straight in, Steve? Yeah, go for it. So, I don't know if many of you are aware of the News Shopper, which is a local newspaper sort of on the fringes of South East London. And I've got a news story from there. The headline is, for duck's sake, uh, five birds which cause chaos around Thamesmead and Crayford. Now, Steve already talked about one of these stories on a previous local news episode, but I mean, seeing as there's been another four incidents, it's a remiss. It's a trend now, isn't it? It is. Uh, number one, I don't, I don't know if they've sort of put this in order. The like, thing about the new shopper is, is you don't have to worry about how they've put it in order. They're just sort of like, <laughs> yeah. the, the new shopper can't get over animals doing stuff. We'll talk about that more often, but if you want to just uh, outline now. Uh... So maybe it's chronological. Number one, uh, I don't know if anyone's familiar with uh, Twin Trump's Way, uh, Morrison's, in Thamesmead, but a small black starling spent all day in the store, uh, <laughs> dive-bombing fresh bread. <laughs> and that, so, I mean, it seemed like a one-off when that happened, but then obviously Thamesmead and Crayford, something's going on. What's his name? Rod Taylor from The Birds has just passed away, hasn't he? Mm. Sort of seemed that to be talking about this. <laughs> Problems that we still face, much like housing. <laughs> uh, num- number two, six months later at the same branch... Uh, two swans and six signets were photographed lining up at the taxi rank. <laughs> I think you alluded to this, Steve. My before. thing is, no, my story was they had... Uh, Don't spoil one of the other ones. What no, my one's a fox. They had, the new shop had another story where it was like, uh, look at this fox queuing up for a cash point. And it's a photograph of a cash point and some people queuing up for a cash point and a fox who's in the same picture but clearly isn't there going, what is my pin? <laughs> I do need some money. Uh, and this is the thing, they, one of the new things New Shopper likes to do, one of the things they definitely like to do is just put up pictures of animals. They have like a pet of the day section where animals that aren't even doing stuff get uh, a shot at being in the paper. So anything where they can sort of anthropomorphise these creatures and pretend that they're trying to get involved. Well that's exactly number five, Steve, jumping ahead. Trio of, what are they? What's that say, Steve? Swans, reckon? Yeah, some kind of animal. Trio of uh, swans queuing for a for a cash machine outside Morrison's. Right, they're so, not. They're not. They're just walk, walking by. Do the editors believe that's what's going on? <laughs> it's not just some opportune. Number three, heron used busy crossing at Cannon Retail Park. I remember this one. There's a photograph of a heron using a zebra crossing again. Again, he's crossing a road, but he's not knowingly going. I'll go up here; it'd be safer. <laughs> and finally, police called to stop. Uh, disruptive swan outside Jolly Farmer's pub in Thames Road. So Disruptive because? Just traffic had to stop. Yeah. I'm not sure what it was doing in that road. It's not respecting the crossing. Learn no. from the herons. I would say don't go to Thamesmead, but I mean, I don't know if anyone's got anything planned anyway. I like the fact that you uh, listed them chronologically, then said you got to do them chronologically, and then did one, two, five, three, four. You, you stitched me up. No, oh, you uh, said uh, go to number specifically five Specifically asked you to not stitch me up, Steve. <laughs> what have you done? Well, you listen back to it, you'll realise. Just in the bathroom, there's a Laurel and Hardy uh, mirror. <laughs> I was like, this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect comment, Simon, isn't it? <laughs> Regale me. With a... I've got another story. It's from the new shopper. Another thing the new shopper is obsessed by is uh, things that haven't actually happened. Uh, so they've got a story... Uh, Much U- like the Daily Mail. <laughs> Their headline was UFO spotted in Bexley Heath. And, you know, as I say, whatever you think of it, as a story, but they seem determined to sort of reinforce it amongst themselves. So in the first paragraph, 
they talk about it and they say uh, almost 60 years after a flying saucer reportedly landed nearby. And you're like, yeah, no, it didn't. <laughs> don't, talk, don't use that to sort of... And they, uh, um, they've also determined that, or uh, they describe Bexley Heath as one of the top 10 UFO areas. Two in 60 years. I but, mean. Well, no, no, there, there is more, and I've got a list of those. But also, they just said it's one of the top 10 UFO areas, and you're like... Is that Area in, 51. But is that is that London? Is that UK? Is that Europe? I, I think that's just in the southeast of Just London, in the, yeah. the new shopper region. Thames <laughs> <laughs> Um And they've got, uh, underneath this article, they had a list that, again, and this is where you can't really take it seriously in the newspaper, the headline of the, the little bit underneath was Alien Encounters in Bexley Heath. Like a statement of fact. These are encounters <laughs> of aliens. And they had a list of incidents. The first one, 1952... Around about the time there's a massive sci-fi boom in it, in terms of uh, films and, and books and whatnot. Um, next one in 1955, nothing before that in, in Bexley, but then suddenly it's a hot spot. Um, two in 2004, almost like the second one read about the first one and decided to get involved. Two in 2010. I don't want to be cynical. As we know, my role on the show is myth bunker. If there is a myth, I don't want to debunk it. So it's business card. I want it bunked. I want it fully firmed up. But this this isn't helping the myth bunking, is it? This is the, the you know you can't just pretend that these things are definitely real. Put an um, audience in front of you, Steve. Suddenly you become a rationalist. <laughs> <laughs> so you know we're not afraid to address address the big issues. I've got a story about knife crime. Um, it's been from the Wandsworth Guardian. A guy was jailed for 12 weeks, got an £80 victim surcharge for carrying an offensive weapon. This headline, headline is a four-inch serrated knife destroyed as young carrier jailed. And what, it was on Collierswood High Street, what kind of came to my attention there, Steve, is that in the headline they've got that the knife is destroyed. Yeah. I mean, what they normally do with knives from knife crime, take it down a charity shop. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, is, that, is that notable? Also, how would you... Also, why would you be using a serrated edge knife to just say off in the kitchen? Right? Go for the chefs, isn't it? Always go for the chefs, <laughs> and then the uh, what do you call it? Andrew will know. Whisks. Whisks. Pera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He knows. <laughs> he knows his knife. He knows his knife. <laughs> we need to point out at this point that Andrew isn't a convicted knife crime. Uh... We can't on every every live show talk about Andrew's Tupperware. Well, I think we can, and we have to. If you get the UK and <laughs> Ireland's leading Tupperware salesman in the room, and that's what Andrew uh, is. What's your website, Andrew? Tupperwareman.co.uk Not just any man, the Tupperware man, isn't it? There's no there, is there? No. <laughs> In that context. You are elsewhere. I've got a crime story. We don't like to do crime stories. because do. I, I don't. I, uh, Jack. In the local, dock. Subway yeah, exactly. That's his first. To in the dock. Not my drugs and not my trousers, says none. That's a good one. <laughs> that is a good one. Um, uh, yeah, I don't like doing crime stories because generally uh, they're just horrible, aren't they? But I've got one that's sort of va- just, just uh, vaguely crime-related and vaguely ridiculous. Uh, Dave Courtney, I don't know if anyone knows him. Um, Celebrity gangster. Essentially, yeah. Uh, plays Self-proclaimed. Up, yes, yeah. does sort of declare himself, I was a big friend of the craze and organised the security at this gangster's funeral and whatnot. Um, people aren't sure how much a gangster actually was. I don't really care about that. What I do care about is the headline, Dave Courtney plans back garden bare-knuckle boxing bout. It's got a house uh, called Camelot Castle in yeah. Plumstead. Um, it's just a normal house, and he's had a St George's flag hanging out the window. I think it was a normal house, and he's had murals done it, and a St George's set, but he's also had a sex dungeon put in the basement. Right, best which is, um, you, That's put it downstairs, isn't it? Put right. it underneath. Um, 
he's born in Bermondsey, went to school in Forest Hill, so there's a South London connection, even though all his sort of gangland connections are, are with the craze. Dubious. Yeah, and not true. Um, <laughs> he got a conviction for owning a live round, which means one bullet. <laughs> and uh, when he was in court, his defence was he thought it was a blank. So the judge convicted, he was convicted of crime, and the judge summing up said, uh, are you not at all concerned that it might impact on your reputation as a gangland figure if you can't distinguish between a real bullet and a fake one? It's a good point. Was it destroyed? <laughs> yeah. Serrated, the serrated bullet. Yeah. The thing that struck me about this story was if someone said to you, I'm setting up a bet, let, let's role play it. Jack, I want to set up a bare knuckle boxing bout. What time do you want me there? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Look at those fish, you're not fighting him. My thing would be, that's all well and good, that's illegal. So you can't set up a bare knuckle It's not all well and good if it's illegal, is it? <laughs> <laughs> your intention, as, as pure as your intentions are, Dave Courtney, you can't do that. So they applied to the council and was granted a temporary events notice. Right. Which means it's essentially permission to do your event and have people come to your event. And it was only when you applied for a licence um, from the British, Board, uh, British Boxing Board of Control and so I called the event and they went, whoa, 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 what's this? A bare-knuckle boxing fight. And then they decided that he wasn't allowed to go ahead. That's a shame. But, I mean, who's in charge of temporary events notices? You temporary events you department. Yeah, he doesn't get a license, so it's not. It's not going ahead. So you can't. You can't go to Camelot Castle's back garden and watch people punch each other in the head repeatedly. It's a shame. I found another story in the Wandsworth Garden, Garden Guardian. Even uh, kind of shows how, how quickly I was scraping the barrel. To be honest, getting to Wandsworth Guardian so quickly. Uh, well, getting into uh, a new story. Top of the table banter. FC beat <laughs> Wallington. So they cover apparently the ones of well, they, they, I ended up the story was from November 2013, so it's not news. Not that it was even news then. But the ones of Guardian cover a Sunday league team called Banter Central FC. How are you going to resist the charms of Banter Central? It's a lot of pressure on the players, isn't it? It is Croydon Municipal Sunday Football League. I mean, I don't know, how many people were there on skill? <laughs> bringing the, uh, the gadget he can't cross a ball but his deployment of a whoopee cushion is second to none that's banter isn't it yeah, yeah, that and a bit sexist and racist normally if you can if you yeah, can get if you, can, if you can do that my next story and again it's, um, it's a headline you just can't resist JLS star is turkey farmer JB Gill never heard of him uh, from Croydon um, he's got a farm in Biggin Hill there's one in, in one direction do you say JLS, JLS, JLS. I'm the one that's not. I JLS. thought I, why they not heard. Although One Direction do get a mention later on, um, he's taken his JLS money. Don't know how much that was, and opened up uh, a turkey farm, and has used. And this is where he gets very smart. He's used his celebrity contacts to sell turkeys to other pop stars. So Alexandra Burke got a turkey from there. Um, Pussycat Cop Doll Kimberly White. She got a turkey from there. Um, I don't know. I can't got a full list. Oh, um, his, his, his mate Aritz from JLS. I don't know if I've pronounced that right, but another member of JLS. And this is the, this is the, and this is again is where local newspapers they do sort of worry about them using the phrasing to try and tell the story. So they've got this list of his clients, and they say, and potentially even One Direction Zane and Little Mix's Perry. And you're like, well, potentially, <laughs> I could be selling them turkeys. We could all potentially sell pop stars turkeys, couldn't we? So maybe, maybe put the names in and get it found up, or leave them out. You've got Alexandra Burke. We've heard of her, haven't we? 
Just about. Just about. Just about. Not, not big on any of these, to be honest with you. So, yeah, this is the one picture that's going to get shown through the whole thing. Should we get it projected up on the... <laughs> so if anyone can see this lady's house. Garish, garish. <laughs> you can't miss where Sue Covington lives, can you? Uh, basically, Sue and husband Tony, not pictured, of, uh, of West Vaughan Avenue in Eltham, have put up a dazzling display. They're raising money. Uh, it's still up. I mean, this is not a story I've cut out at Christmas and I'm still holding on to. This is from the current issue of the Greenwich Mercury. They're raising money for prostate, prostate cancer. Uh, Mrs Covington said her father, who died from an aneurysm in 2010, had suffered from prostate cancer. Uh, prostate cancer, even. No money raised for aneurysm charities, bizarrely. But, um, Doesn't say that in the text, does it? That's your take on it. You're reading, you're reading that, that like it's that one section of it, like the, the journalist has decided that's really bizarre. It's odd, isn't it? It's, 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 he, had, he did it have cancer. I did have cancer. No, yeah, yeah, aneurysm. Aneurysm <laughs> did him in in the end. But yeah, they're raising all this money and they've put these uh, appalling lights all over their house. I just wondered, Steve, how you. Is that legit in the name of charity? Not in the name of charity. I'm a huge fan of garish uh, Christmas right. decorations. It needs to be over the top. In the name of architecture. Uh, just in the name of uh, just glitz and it. Christmas is about indulgence and going over the top, and I think with decorations as well. We went um, to Bermondsey recently for an upcoming show, and we went to a cafe, and they had the old uh, what would you call it? Sort of cellophane uh, Christmas decorations that fold down flat and extend out, and they're just incredibly shiny. And you don't see them anywhere because now, and I've got quite a beef about this. And I think Jack is anticipating this sort of rant when he did this yeah, story. Yeah, going to pop out. <laughs> when you go past shops now, they do this like minimalist thing, where it's like just four fairy lights hanging from the front of the window, and it's supposed to sort of look classy, but I just think it looks lazy. Whereas that doesn't look classy, but it's definitely not lazy, is it? You also, there's a, there, is a, there is another thing about local news stories, but you can always sort of... There's always a subtext, isn't there? There's always something underneath. As I say, like with the UFO stories, why are these sightings happening close to each other? Because someone's read it. And with this, the husband's not pictured. So you've just got to wonder what's going on in that house. You know, like the conversation where she's like, what if we just cover the whole house in Christmas? And he's like, you do what you like. Yeah, yeah. Not I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to, well, the paper's coming round, I'll be indoors. <laughs> you won't see me because you'll be blinded by 150 different types of uh, fairy light. This is very local and very new. Mm. Alan Pardew is back at Crystal Palace. Doesn't matter if you're not a football fan, because he's such uh, an odd character. He spent uh, the last couple of years, last few years actually, at Newcastle United, just being shouted at and then just holding up bed sheets, telling him to go, and he finally did. Um, he's gone back to Crystal Palace, who he played for. He's local, he's from Wimbledon. Yeah, yeah. He also played for Dulwich Hamlet. And yeah. there's a remarkable story. Dulwich Hamlet are uh, a non-league side uh, in South London and when Alan Pardew played for them it seems like his sort of attitude sort of reflected the fact he wasn't playing professional football they were, they had um, a pre-season away trip to Spain was it? Yeah somewhere along those lines Yeah uh, abroad and uh, he turned up uh, to get the coach to get the plane and Carrot uh, had a tennis racket in his hand ready for tennis and uh as he was going on the bus, I went, I haven't bought my football boots. 
but had remembered his tennis racket. <laughs> so he's, he's, he's going abroad, clearly thinking he's going to be a jolly rather than the... What's uh, remarkable, though, he was on his way up to professional football then. Yeah, that was him. That wasn't him sort of like... That's a player they marked out. He will play in the FA Cup final in five years. Do ring him to remind him about the boots, though, because he will... Yeah, he played in the uh, 1990 FA Cup final, didn't he? Yeah. Um, my favourite story of his, uh, he was also manager of West Ham, who I support. And there was an um, amazing story there where uh, he was manager... And him and the team had gone out for dinner, and I think it was just one of the physios, but someone, you know, someone else um, on the, the management side of things um, at the table had ordered something very elaborate for dinner. And I think Pardew was like, I'm not very hungry, I'll just get, get an omelette. And uh, the dinners all turned up at the table, and when Alan Pardew saw that he'd ordered the plainest thing on the table, it was clearly affronted. So he just took the physio's dinner and went, I'm going to have this. You have the omelette. And the guy was like, I wanted that though. And Alan Pardew was like, but I'm having it now. And the guy was like, you can't just take my dinner. And Alan Pardew said, when you're the king, you can do what you want. <laughs> <laughs> Did he? Yeah. Wow. Apparently. Apparently. I, I wasn't there. I wasn't got there. a point though, isn't it? But that was broadcast um, through the Guardian football web, website. So if you're suing anyone, sue the Guardian, isn't it? Earlier I ordered a topside beef sandwich. What did you have? I had chicken and stuffing. See, there was no need to swap, but if I'd have had the motivation, you better believe you're handling that. <laughs> so that last story was from the Greenwich Mercury. And I was in WH Smith in uh, Elephant and Castle a couple of days ago, and I picked up the Greenwich Mercury and the Lewisham Mercury. And when I got home, I realised that 46 of the 48 pages are identical. <laughs> um, it's only the cover that's How different than one of us. They cost thirty p each as well, which you know, which is why I sort of dug into the classified section, thinking I'm going to get be getting my money's worth out of this. Like, there's no way I'm spending sixty p when I could have got away spending thirty p, and I just got some nonsense story about Christmas lights. <laughs> so I went into the bargain buyers section, and I was like, quite, quite, uh, quite extraordinary. What's for sale? You think in these days of eBay, you know, we've heard. Well, this is the thing. I'm going to be outshadowed, and I buy a load of twi- uh, four twigs for sale. Five, five. 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 Still for sale, by the way. Bag of ice, collection only. <laughs> but even still, I mean, these are maybe it's indicative of the type of people that are listing their uh, £8 items in a local newspaper. But, for example, a solid brass shire horse, £55. Two Elvis mugs, 6 Picture of a racehorse, brackets Persian War, 1970, £25. <laughs> what does that, any of that mean? <laughs> <laughs> Beginner's Russian, 20 LP set. <laughs> like, that is a fiver and it comes with a case, but like, what world are we living in? Well, that's, that's the thing sale. is also, big, big question now, are you getting the book as well? Because I think even if you listen to like 20 LPs of Russian without the guidance of knowing what No, it's say, all just like, I would like my eggs boiled. Is it? You know, and, uh, continue. And then you <laughs> quickly realised that uh, that was going to fall apart. One eighth Russian as well. Embarrassing. Actually, Embarrassing. Don't tell everyone. Uh, bomber jackets, various sizes, fifteen pounds. Um, <laughs> Doesn't say how many. Here, here you go. So just you like this one. It just at various sizes, twelve to fourteen. What does that mean? So the women are they? Twelve to fourteen. Maybe for lar- not larger women, sort of average to larger. Women. Don't want really to get in trouble. Uh, <laughs> tent for pet brackets cat. <laughs> Light blue, washable. Also, don't you pay by the word on these things? No, it's free. It's oh, free. Oh. The... So I say, if you're if you're paying by the word and you're going tent for pet cat, just say tent. For well, cat. I ain't finished. Yet, so oh, I ain't finished. Uh, tent for pet brackets cat. Light blue, washable. 
ideal Christmas present for your cat, brackets pet. There's <laughs> so, so many issues there. That's it? someone that's clearly lived through the age of paying by the words and can't believe this yeah, yeah, world yeah. of free classifiers are living and they're like, watch this. Finally, uh, yeah, I don't know where to you know, Philips manual breast pump, BPA free, used twice, thus mint condition. <laughs> like you know this is, if you buy records and stuff you'll know there's like a range of what people consider to be a condition you know the hardcore people you know any little nick any fold anything that's not perfect it won't be counted as mint condition if somebody's made contact with your nipples <laughs> like that it's definitely not mint condition then is it enhanced if anything so it comes with a stand uh, newborn teat travel pack <laughs> sealing disc for milk storage so and and it it finishes it off with uh, from smoke and pet free home, like is it from a nipple free home? Uh, <laughs> that's, that's all I want to know. Um, I just wanted to point out, just visually, is that yeah, it's solid, isn't it? So it's just one chunk. You don't you didn't need to like clip them out of all different pages. It's so they're, rich. They've only just... got one page of classified ads, Steve. How many no, but more they're of these all, items they're linked. Want... They're linked. I like the way you cross out the ones you don't want to read as well, so you don't actually only read. Process. So, <laughs> have, we'll have a word after. <laughs> there was an advert recently for a property development called One Blackfriars. I don't know if anyone saw it. It was only up for a, about a day or so because it sort of went up and everyone went, this is horrific, stroke ridiculous, and just mocked him mercy. So he took it off of, of Vimeo almost straight away. It's a very odd, odd thing. It's, it's a, a sort of super rich couple going house hunting in London. So they get in a helicopter and just fly around looking for the perfect building to move into. We've all, we've all looked for properties, haven't we? How else are you going to pick them out if you're not doing it from the sky? And um, they see uh, Number One Blackfriars and they're like, we've got to live there because it's so convenient. And they show them sort of uh, living there and going to Tate Modern, which, you know... Close. Very close. So they're getting a white convertible sports car to go to Tate Modern, which is five minutes away, in it? Just to sort of show... This is, this is what we can do. Um, they go shopping. This is the sort of like cement what sort of couple we're dealing with. They go shopping, Harrods. Oh, they go shopping. Get a, but then they go shopping. She's picking out stuff and gets to tell and he sort of pulls out all the money and she just sort of stands there because obviously <laughs> if you're going to be super rich, she's not going to be super rich, is she? A woman. Luckily, there's a fella there buying all these you know helicopters, butlers, white convertible sports cars. It got some, some great responses um, on Twitter uh, where someone said... If, and it's a, it's a brilliant point and does sort of, you know, as much as every frame of this thing undercuts its very purpose. Um, someone pointed out, if you like the shape of a building, buy a flat that overlooks that building. Because you're not enjoying it once you're inside, are you? Yeah. So it's a very good point. Logic, logic yeah, problems. picture of it up and... I suppose framed picture little model, in your front room, little model of the house. Yeah, yeah, it'd be nice. And then every time you approach the, the house, is, you're like, oh. they're super rich, isn't it? So you could probably build probably afford a frame as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I, I hadn't seen this house. I haven't seen this house. But basically, it's very much like, but with a, a, a convex frontage, so it does sort of um, loop out, which I think is the the appeal uh, of the shape of the building to these people. Um, and one Twitter suggester, a Twitter user suggested um, that if we nickname it the Beer Belly, it's unlikely that the super rich will want to move in. Um, properties in one Blackfriars start at 1.15 million and go up to 23 million pounds. So, 
you know, if we can call it the beer belly or yeah. set it on fire. I don't know. There are two <laughs> options, I think, isn't it? Wait till the super rich get inside before we set it on fire. I'll probably just leave it, to be yeah. fair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah me, me too, on reflection. I've got another story, Steve, that will uh, probably make you quite sad, you know, because you're quite into all this stuff, whereas everyone else is take it or leave it. Uh, it's from the Western Daily Press, actually, in Gloucestershire, Wiltshire, Somerset, Bath and Bristol. I may have done some overlap there, but I don't know anything about these places. I've never can been I quickly to jump in and point out, of course, how London Harcourt? Yeah, you can, Steve, and that will be relevant very Good. soon. Good. Um, so the headline is Coup for Wiltshire Tourism as Royal Artillery Museum reveals move to Salisbury Plain. So in 2019, the Firepower Museum, which is currently in the kind of Greenwich Heritage and Cultural Quarter of um, Woolwich, will be moving out to Salisbury Plain. We went there on a trip, Steve. How do you yeah, feel about Obviously, you're talking, you love museums. Yeah. You hate, you hate war. <laughs> yeah, controversial. Love South London. You hate Wilshire. <laughs> <laughs> you know, where um, do you stand? Thing is, as, as a museum, it was uh, nice enough to wander around in, but I had no plans ever to go back. And it's not like I'll sort of miss it. You know, as a counterpoint, this museum that we're in now, and if you haven't taken a tour, do take a tour. If you said to me, the cinema museum's moving to Wiltshire, I'd be like, that's, that's madness. There's nothing in Wiltshire. Don't put it on Salisbury. With the artillery museum, you can understand the appeal. I mean, it's still tough to get to. Mo- uh, Depends where you live. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, if you're in... Gloucestershire, yeah. <laughs> Them as well. Um, yeah, just... Uh, we didn't do this at the start, and I think we should just give a bit of context, and you sort of tied it back into by talking about museums. Um, the cinema museum we're in now used to be the Lambeth Workhouse, and the thing that appealed to us, among other things, was it was the workhouse that Charlie Chaplin's uh, mum spent some time in, and Charlie Chaplin uh, visited her uh, at this workhouse. In this very room. Yeah, this was the visitor's room. So, uh, one of the things uh, that's nice about the show is you get to sort of explore spaces in South London and see the sort of history of them. We did an episode on, on the cinema museum, talked to the people behind it, but there was this wonderful moment of realisation where you sort of go, oh, this would have been, this this room would have been the scene of, I think Chaplin himself called it the most heartbreaking, saddest moment of his life, seeing his mum uh, in a workhouse. And the fact that that space has now been reclaimed for cinema seems very sort of appropriate and a nice sort of historical bouncing. So yeah, if you do, it's a general shout out for the Cinema Museum, if you do get a chance to take the tour, um, they show you some films at the start. Say you, and you can see just looking around this room and outside, they've got so much stuff. They just don't know where to put it, do they? Yeah. So you're saying the films good, guns bad. I, yeah. I prefer cinema to war. Right. But then war films. Where do you stand on that? It's, it's a tightrope. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we could merge the two. Probably my favourite story of all the ones we've done, just because of what happened. So the headline: Labour MP calls Health Secretary idiot at Prime Minister's question time. This didn't get enough coverage in, the, in the, the mainstream press, as far as I'm concerned. Clive Efford, who's the Labour MP for Oldham, um, made a squawking sound and used unparliamentary language, which is a wonderful thing. Yeah, like the Speaker, Burko, sort of pulled him up there and said, you, you can't just make squawking sounds. It's not he, far from Thames, uh, Thames Mead and Crayford, yeah. is it? So, Representing his constituents. It's got... It's got <laughs> It's not like a swan yeah, no. under the bench, just in case. <laughs> Got to keep Useful. the voters happy. Yeah. Got to keep the voters happy. <laughs> the, the, the shop will have a swan going into a polling booth at some point this year, and it going, I wonder who. Um, 
But yeah, so uh, the speaker sort of went, you can't just squawk. And he went, I didn't squawk anymore. I heard a squawking sound. So there was this like initial dispute about whether he squawked, which I quite liked. But then you can't use unparliamentary language. Um, and it was a wonderful sort of exchange. I've only read the transcript, but I didn't see it live, unfortunately. But um, this MP accused, or not accused, just told uh, Jeremy Hunt, the health secretary, that he tried to close Lewisham A&E, which he did. And Geoffrey, I went, well, I didn't. And the guy was like, you did. And there's this wonderful exchange where Geoffrey Hunt's going, I didn't try and close Lewisham A&E. And the guy's like, it went, it, apparently, Effort kept going, it went to court, it went to court, it went to court to prove that it did happen. And uh, at the end, just went, it went to court, you idiot, where it was undeniable. They were, and, and at that point, the lies from Jeremy Hunt, they're quite happy to... That's not unparliamentary language, that's quite parliamentary. But someone calling, calling someone an idiot, apparently is unparliamentary. Wonderful um, apology from Clive Efford. I'm a huge fan of the non-apology. Just great. And when someone goes... Oh, it's yeah. been a great week for them. Yeah. Some of it and others. <laughs> so Clive Efford said, and this is parliamentary language, I withdraw it unreservedly. But... <laughs> the public will draw their own conclusions <laughs> and you're like well that's, that's pretty reserved isn't it but fair we, I have I have drawn my own conclusions um, it also uh, brought to mind to me uh, a great story from uh, when myself and Jack worked in a big bookshop and one weekend the people who do the returns where you send the books back to the rubbish and have to be scanned through and assembled the person who done that was away for the weekend some of the management team thought let's get ahead of the curve on this We'll do the returns this weekend. So like, three of them went down to the basement and basically just ruined the entire system in like half a day. So on Monday morning, the person who did returns uh, came in and just saw this chaos that these uh, people had enacted. And she went up to the store manager and went, don't let those idiots anywhere near my returns again. They've ruined everything. And the store manager, rather than sort of going, you're right, let's not ruin systems that work, said, I don't see there's any value in labelling people as idiots. And she told me that story, and I was like, yeah, there's huge value in it, because then you know who the idiots are, and you don't get them to do the returns. And then it's all fine, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, if we're going to make uh, any sort of New Year resolution, let's call people idiots. But only if they are idiots, like Jer- Jeremy Hunt. You know, you're being kind, really, aren't you? There's so many worse things you could call him. Well, someone called him much worse on the radio, didn't we? Yeah. But you'll have to Google that. We can't use that word on the podcast. Unparliamentary, yeah. Unpodcastamentary language. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, we'll do a quick outro for the people at home. Thanks for listening. Uh, all our episodes are on southlandhardcore.com. Please use the Amazon link. And you can follow us on Twitter, at SLHC. Instagram, the same. Thanks for listening. Thanks for coming. Bye. That was for you, Rob. <laughs> <laughs>